0: Welcome to System & Soul, the podcast focused on the human energy that runs your business. I'm Chris White, along with my co-host, Benj Miller. All right, you guys ready? Here we go. Jake, drop that beat. Three,
1: two, one.
2: Welcome to System and Soul. We've got some friends, a an old one and a new one here today. We've got Jonathan Reynolds back for Lifetime Comedic Resources and a, a partner of his, Jeff Boucher. Jeff's here because Jonathan tells us a lot of stuff. And so we want to dig in today and, and figure out if it's true and how it's true. And, and Jeff is uh, really focused on building and developing a place where people want to actually show up and not quiet quit, right? That's the new term. Quiet quit. Heard term. This? Quiet quitting. Yeah. 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 Jeff, welcome. Thank Jonathan, you. Welcome back. Cheers. 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 Um, I heard a comedian on a podcast that I was listening to and loving, and he was talking about how much you can get away with because of his English accent. So you're not too far off, Jonathan. I think you, you can, pull some things off with that accent that we, we might not all be able to get away with.
3: (laughs) That is very true. I have a lot of stories. Um, yeah, yeah, a lot of stories. It saves me. I think the accent saves me with a few lawyers.
2: So so we know Jonathan pretty well over here, Jeff, tell us how you ended up in this role that you're in now with Titus.
0: Sure. So, um, I was in finance for about 10 years, right at, right out of college. I met a woman and she had me relocate away from my network in West Michigan. And it was at that time I wanted to do something for myself. So I got involved in contingent recruiting. Um, I worked out of my home for about three years in Vermont. And um, we had an opportunity to move back to the Midwest. And I was looking for something that kind of brought me back Uh, around more people. Um, and so there was a company called Titus group that was hiring in Indianapolis. And I hopped on a phone call with Jonathan about 48 hours later. And then he was in Boston a week later and the rest is history. Very nice. That was nine years, nine and a half years ago,
2: nine and a half years ago, you
0: came on as a recruiter. Uh, I actually came on as a salesperson, so that's fun to kind of dissect right, right person, right seat, uh, from that. Yeah.
2: Which what, obviously you migrated to the sales. Is that the way that happened from, from the recruiter to the salesman?
0: Yeah. So I, would always been in a function of sales, but as, as our company scaled and got bigger, um, I was, I was kind of drawn to the operational seat and I think some of my natural behaviors, um, Put me uh, in, in a best position in the operational seat. So it was, it was a tough transition because I'd always kind of thought of myself as a salesperson, but uh, there's business development to be had on both sides of the house. So I, I actually really like my seat. So, what is the seat now? What do you do now? I'm a senior director. I oversee the operations of a region within our company. So, the second largest region, kind of we call it Rust Belt. It's Michigan, Indiana, Ohio. We do. We do a lot of um, recruiting in uh, the blue collar space, which is kind of er- ergo the name.
2: Yes. Yes. I'm from Ohio and that feels right. So sure. I, I don't even get offended when you say Rust Belt. It's still just like, yeah, that's that's what it is. All right. So being a guest on our show, you have to answer one awkward question, which is what is something about Jeff that we need to know? or probably don't need to know actually, but that we could not Google and find out about you.
0: I was in a Ford commercial when I was 11 years old. um, And I was walking through a forest uh, and they were giving away Winchester shotguns as a part of their fall Ford truck giveaway. And so, yeah, I was just walking with this Winchester rifle and, um, that was my claim to fame. That was my fifty. That was my thirty seconds of fame. Do you get
2: royalties from that? I don't. I, Wouldn't I, that be amazing? I,
0: I don't think that that commercial ever aired. If oh. I'm being honest with you. That's why yeah. we can't Google it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's
2: why we can't. <laughs> All exactly. right. So you spend your time managing a region, but you're passionate about this idea of developing a workplace where people want to be. What does that mean? What does that look
0: like? Yeah, it's it's a good question, and and I think I'm passionate about it because I joined Titus because I believe Titus was doing something different. My my background was in contingent recruiting. I met Jonathan, and Jonathan shared what would become the bread and butter kind of 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 our service offering lineup, and I was I was I was drawn to that. I was drawn to doing something different. I wanted to join a company where. I felt like I could make an impact where I wanted to show up to work every day. And as our company has evolved and transitioned, grown service offerings, it's important that my team feels the same way uh, about showing up every day.
2: Uh, So let's go back to that moment nine years ago when Jonathan roped you in. Uh, You know, Jonathan's highly charismatic, magnetic, uh, one of the few people that I feel like could probably twist my arm and I'd come work for him. Like somehow he could just con me into doing that. Right. So if you had taken Jonathan out of the equation nine years ago, was, was it purely him or was the message strong enough that it would have gotten you without Jonathan?
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, I would say it was it was an awful lot of Jonathan's passion, um, and and he can he can set a vision like no one I've ever met. But I think the solution itself, and we called it something different then, but essentially RPI or what is now our extension service offering, um, it was. It was a game changer. I, I could I could read the tea leaves and I knew that this would change how companies attracted talent, how they went to market. So I guess in short, to answer your question, had it been someone else that could do a, a fifth of Jonathan's pitch of the service offering, I, I likely would have joined them because I, I joined Titus for the service offering and, and for the vision that Jonathan set.
2: That's cool. That's cool. Um, I totally get that. So how have you seen that evolve over those nine years?
0: Oh my goodness. I mean, several iterations, several evolutions. Um, we've we've gotten really, really good over the last, well, I, I should say we've, we've, we've improved every year, but our fo- we, we've started to measure what's so critically important in our space well over the last four years four years or so, Jonathan, I would say. Um, Before our competitive advantage had always been our people. We hire amazing people, nothing we do is proprietary. We just go out and we want it more than anyone else. And while that still exists, we now have systems created and processes and proprietary softwares that can actually quantify the work that we do. Um, that that assists our our amazing people in succe- in succeeding where they mm-hmm. succeed.
2: Hey, everybody. I got to interrupt this conversation to tell you that this episode is brought to you by one of my favorite companies with some of my favorite people, Titus Talent Strategies. Titus was born out of the frustration with traditional recruiting model and a passion for a better way to do business. They took the traditional recruiting model and totally flipped it on its head. Titus is a people-first, performance-driven recruiting firm They look at the whole person, the head, the heart, and their briefcase. Using their hire for performance process along with key scientific data points generated from predictive index, Titus gets a 360 degree view of your candidate. Looking at all these components will give you the absolute confidence that you're getting the right person for your organization every time. In fact, they totally guarantee it. They're changing the game of talent strategy and if you'd like to learn more about their process, Visit them today at TitusTalent.com. All right, back to our conversation. So if you had to break down the elements that actually matter, that people care about, you know, in, in developing a workplace that people want to come and work and be part of, what are the elements, what are the essential elements that you have
0: to have? Um, you have to have... um I would say the right skills. If I broke it down into three buckets, I would say skills, values, and behaviors need to be aligned in order for everyone to to have that environment that people want to show up in. So complementary skills, skills are the resume that you bring. So you need to be able to be successful in the role that you were hired to do, right? Like that's, that's a check that you have to make in order for that environment to even exist number two values or what we would kind of refer to as the heart are you aligned with the mission of the organization in which you're in that's certainly going to yield an environment that you want to work in so um, at Titus I'm sure Jonathan shared that before generosity is at the heart of what we do we exist to give back into the communities in which we serve so someone that 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 int- intrinsically motivates, they're gonna yeah. wanna show up and do their best. Um, and lastly, the behaviors, um, which we would call the head, which is, are you comfortable in the role that you were hired to do? Do, do, your, do your natural, I, I call it, does you in neutral, without you putting it in any gears for using a race car metaphor, does you, do you in neutral exist to perform successfully in your role or are you modifying, are you grinding the gears to get it done? Um, which is not healthy on your transmission. So do you in neutral, um, are are you built to succeed in this role? So those critical functions of head or the behaviors, heart, the values and skills are briefcase. I think those are the three equally critical um, components to a successful work environment.
2: So this is really interesting to me, Jonathan, maybe you can speak to this. Um, The All three of your answers out there The the essentials were not about what you create for the place for them to come work but about the fit between you and them so what is what is your role as an organization
3: to do that well that's interesting you always get good questions that maybe start thinking about it i mean i i think right, obviously Bang on job with what Jeff just said. I think this other part is if we, if if our group of people and there's nearly 200 salary team members around the country right now at Titus, if suddenly we said shift, we're we're doing something, a different company now, we're, we're like, Boom, can can we all carry on together? Um, I think obviously there's the are we tool to do. Whatever that job is, as Jeff talked about the briefcase of the skills. Do you have the skills to do that work? But from a gelling value, that's there, the right behaviors, which is like a kind of growth mindset for us. Like we really hire people who want to grow. So we've consistently grown on average at 40 to 40 50 percent a year. Um, and the budget is set 20%. No matter what we end with, we set budget 20% greater. Um, and it just, I, I said anything less than that, I'm bored out of my brains. I don't want to do that. You know, like that's, let's all have a growth mindset of growing the company. So I think as long as it was an organization that was a growing, if we retooled to something that was growing, it retooled to something that made an impact on other people's lives because we're very people driven. So there's a people impact. Um, and then there was another as- aspect of generosity to make the world a better place or serve the communities where we're at. I think if those things were there, we wouldn't skip a beat. Our company, our teams, just like they just roll with it. Like, great, let's go. Um, I don't know if I'm answering the actual question you're you're asking, but uh, you
2: you are and you aren't. And by not answering it, you're also answering it, right? So, what I hear you saying is that very, very, very little of it has to do with what you're creating. The the actual environment, like the actual environment where people come to work, all you're doing is making sure that there's clarity and a fit between what's expected and what they're actually doing good at, all those things. So it's, it's really all the focus is on the in-between, the fit between the two, and not yeah. even on you and not so much on them. It's really about the fit between them.
3: Uh, totally. I mean... I've mean, talked about this in the past like the right right people right seats we just we turn it on its head the other way around and say right let's just go right seat right people because let's start with the seat so if we moved into this something physically we moved into a physical office building we said okay there are four different floors here all right here's this department here's this department okay we, we could go with a piece of sticky paper and go what does this seat require like what would success look like here here are three things okay if somebody can get that done they can sit in this seat and it's almost like a bit on musical chairs. We went around and everyone could go around, look at the seat, and they see what success looks like there. And they go, Can I do that job? Do I have the skills to get that job done? Next, do I want to do that job? Do I, am I motivated to do it? Like, Because there are plenty of people who can do a job, they're not motivated to do it. Um, many jobs in our company, I think I could do them, but I just don't want to do them. Um, so people can go around, kind of like little, little tour around these offices, and I want to do that job. And then they look at the seats around it. But, do I want to do it with whoever's sitting there? Whoever's sitting there? <laughs> Because there's the other piece, isn't it? Do I want yeah. to do it with these people? Yeah, um, Is that inspiring to me? And I think we could do that. We're really clear on what success was in all these seats. So start with a seat and then look at your people and play a bit of musical chairs. And I know we don't do this. We don't show up in a building. right got a seat, you know, but we kind of have fun exchange. We actually
2: did do this somewhat with a, an organization. One of my companies yesterday, we had an improv group come lead us through some exercises. And one of the exercises we had to split up into groups and they, they led us through basically the ideation process, but the exercise was uh, this is a marketing company and it was marketing no longer exists. You can no longer do marketing, but you need to exist, carry on as a company. So what, what do you go do? And so leading us through like the, their ideation process, we went through the, almost, you know, the exact exercise. And it was, it was a ton of fun. And we got to the end. She's like, obviously you're not doing this. And we kind of looked around like, I don't know, they might be fun. We, <laughs> maybe we should pivot. I don't know. Uh, what One of the things we talk about at system and soul that has to do with, with culture is uh, there there's the, you know, the head heart briefcase that you're, you're talking about. And then, you know, there, we actually define, Kind of aspirationally a little bit what are, what are the attributes we want to be true of our culture like if i go read about titus talent on glass door what do i hope that i read about titus talent and mm-hmm. and what sits in the gap between the values of the people and the attributes that we want to be true of the organization is the habits that we have as an organization so i hear that some of these habits that you have are really making sure that we've got clear definition and then alignment in this head heart briefcase as you look around, what are the other, some of the other habits that have served you well to create, you know, the culture that you have at Titus?
3: Mm. I mean, I, I can start talking, but Jeff, make sure you're loading up because I don't want to dominate. Um, so all right, from, right from our inception, we established our values and that was literally sitting around the conference room table with our senior leadership team saying, we're starting this company. What do we want the values to be? And, and we kind of whiteboarded it all and then wordsmith it and we said, okay, here are our have many values. Um, and we use those to hire people, to reward them, to celebrate, and to part ways at times if there was a consistent violation of those. Um, just recently, we, uh, and in the, the framework of that, we've started different tribal rhythms, if you will, certain non-negotiables. Every single week, everyone's, everyone is a part of at least one team meeting gathering, which has a nice rhythm to it, and uh, many of your listeners would know well. Um, and that's a, a tribal rhythm another one we started and it's, we've not skipped I don't think we've missed a Friday 9 a.m central but it is you've got to have a really good reason to not be there It is the all all company there on this meeting and as we've grown it's become increasingly challenging because one of the things we do there's certain rhythms of the month one of them is what's a personal life update non-work related so I kick off the meeting and we literally every single person is on zoom because we're hundred percent mobile company and they're sharing something of their personal life. However deep or shallow they want to go, it's up to that, but you'll get literally roller coaster of emotions and highs and lows and get to know your teammates. And that's just been certain uh, kind of the ingredients in our, uh, the meal of <laughs> us being together, which is so essential. If We don't have that people get lost from a culture of connection. So what else do then- you do on that call? Oh, and we're transparent with all numbers. So once a month, we share all the company financials and how we've done and how, how all everybody's role rolls up into that. So everyone can see how they fit in the organization, that their role is significant and has meaning. Um, and so we kind of like the roll up of all of these numbers and then the roll down for where, where, the, where the money goes A sense of over, we don't share people's personal finances or personal income, but how we impact the communities around. And so- Has that uh, ever gone bad? Um, well, you mentioned Glassdoor. So somebody said on Glassdoor, I think we have a pretty raving, crazy, positive Glassdoor. I, I mean, tons and tons of reasons. And I personally respond to every one of them. Um, and I have since the beginning. I think it's important that I do, because I think it's important that I personally take responsibility for this thing, culture. And so I respond to each one of them. And Somebody said, hey, you always talk about how much we give. Can you just give more to us? <laughs> like, I mean... <laughs> fair point um uh, yeah we could but i you know you buy another couch or yeah, we go and build a house for somebody and change their life and end poverty in a cycle in a whole generation
2: not to mention they haven't earned it
1: yeah. <laughs> hey podcast listeners system and soul coach amanda brumbelow here let's talk about a basketball strategy known as the triangle offense The triangle offense was used by head coach Phil Jackson along with his assistant coach Tex Winter, which helped them win 11 NBA Finals. If you don't know who Coach Jackson is, he coached the Chicago Bulls and also the Los Angeles Lakers. With the triangle offense, Coach Jackson was able to refine A players into A-plus players like superstars Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, but he was also able to develop C players into A players. Why is this relevant to your business? As a business owner myself, I have recently reflected on who supports the owner or the leadership team of the organization. As a leader, the buck stops with you. You are the coach for your team. As the coach, you have the responsibility to improve your team by developing your players, by defining a strategy and vision of where you're going and making sure you have somebody in the game daily managing it. But who is the coach for you? Think about your business as a triangle for a minute. You have your team at the top of that triangle. On the bottom left-hand corner of that triangle is you, the leader, owner, or leadership team. And on the right-hand side is your system and sole coach. Is your business and team ready to implement the triangle offense with an S2 coach who will motivate, challenge, and push your vision down the court to the basket? I hope this tip speaks to you today. The S2 framework helps my clients gain clarity and control to achieve breakthrough or win the game. Check out System and Soul at www.systemandsoul.com. Have you
2: ever, have you ever, I mean, obviously you're in a high growth environment, which always produces energy and opportunities. Yeah. Have you ever had a season where the numbers were scary and you were sharing those to hundred people?
3: Jeff, you can answer that.
0: Yeah, there there was a, there was a, a specific time, um, April of 2020 um, when, when, you know that the pandemic was reeling there was a lot of uncertainty in hiring and that that friday rhythm um it it became you know a kind of a, a war cry a battle cry and um Jonathan's partner our president kind of developed a strategy which was um respond reimagine rebound did i get did i get it right it's been a few yeah, years totally. um, yeah. So so it was developing a strategy to get out of the pandemic um, and to, I, I guess I, I can say this, but what has sometimes been a bit of a curse for the organization in terms of we're generalist by nature, which means we play in every single industry. And when I say curse, sometimes people are like, we need experts in order for you to recruit for this. And it's just not where we play. We feel our model Um, suits well for most, 99% of industries, but that diversity, we were able to lean into the industries that were a part of the response to the pandemic. Um, And, you know, uh, Jonathan can speak to more numbers, but we came together in June, we said, wouldn't it be amazing if in 2020, we can still bonus our employees in some fashion? And we did, you know, at the end of 2020, our employees, all of our employees, everyone got a bonus. Um, if they if they met 100%, which I think is 99% of our people, no, we, we everybody came through. It was it was pretty right. amazing. So yeah, that was uh, that was an interesting an interesting time.
2: Were there people in that process that couldn't handle the because people some people just can't, you know, they're not cut out to know all the details.
3: I it was so we were transparent. So we did this. Uh, I, I could I can show you the the PowerPoints if anyone else wanted to see it. I'll have to show you. But we'd have this kind of here's the green line. Here's the number we want to be at. Here's this red line, and here's where we're at in the middle. And it, it was really interesting. You got a whole bunch of people like, "Whoa, green line, let's go, baby!" And then there's a whole bunch of people like, ah. and then there's some other bold people who go, "But what happens with that red line? What happens if we go below that line? And we're like, we're not. And I would just go, "We're not talking about it." <laughs> and they go, "No, no, no. But when was that number hit? What happens when that number hits? What? Ha- who goes first? You know, they yeah. really want yeah. to exercise." We have never not won as a company. We haven't. We've always come through, and I believe that you're going to come through. And the whole reimagine was, let's try and reimagine what post-pandemic could look like. We don't know. But if we can reimagine what business will look like after a pandemic and reach into that and bring it into our present, we'll come out ahead of where everyone else is at.
2: Absolutely. Um,
3: So, I mean, mean, one of my peer advisory groups said, yeah, your, your listeners not going to like this. But I was in this group, and they, a speaker came in and said, what's one thing that you could do during this pandemic that your, your competitors wouldn't dare do? And I'm saying, we just lost 40% of our business. I'm like, we're going to increase our rates. Uh, <laughs> like, we're going to increase our rates, and we're going to come through, because that's one way we can make sure our team members bonus. It's what we literally did. We, we worked, figured out a way. Not bonu—not increasing our rates this year, but increasing them in the following. It, 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 fun math. But yeah. we were able to make sure our team members came through with bonusing. And and it really put our people first during the pandemic and served our clients, what we call them partners, and made sure that we came through and had a profitable year. Yeah. So the people, partners, yeah. and profits, it ran through what was the – you know worst time for me from a business owner scott my business partner he was like i got this i've been through a few sessions but I don't worry <laughs> about this and we in the and i submitted to him as as the operator and said run this thing and and i i, I just said listen i'll be your puppet you tell me what to say and i'll do whatever you say yeah. um so i hear yeah. i hear
2: i hear definitely some you know we started with the the clarity of the the roles and the people the, there's a meeting cadence to it with a you know there's personal connection within that. There's a transparency as a habit. What, are there other habits that that you have that you think have influenced the
0: culture? I would say one that we didn't kind of talk about was was the two way communication from senior management um, to the people, and we we do that through a quarterly. Uh, rhythm of an engagement survey, an independent confidential engagement survey, to where we allow our employees to answer a series of questions, and they're open-ended and open box questions of how are they feeling in their role, do you, do you believe in what senior leadership is doing, how confident are you um, in the vision of the company, what, what areas can we improve, and it's confidential, and even Jonathan can't find out who says what. But we we take that data, again, with transparency and clarity, we show, celebrate our wins. But we also said, this is where you think this company can improve. And here is very specifically what the senior leadership team is doing um, to address those concerns. So that two-way communication to where we can find out from them how engaged they are and what's important to them, but also they have a chance to voice um, where we can get better, I think is, is critical.
2: mm mm-hmm.
3: I, I that's, that's great. Uh, one other thing I would add as well is, and I, and I think I talked about this on a, on a previous podcast, but caring about what people care about. So our team members, by every one of them are here by choice. I'd, I'm not too sure if any of them won the lottery, they would be here tomorrow. So they're all here by choice because if I got to work somewhere, I'd rather work somewhere that, Somewhere I like the people I like and making a difference, Enjoy the work. But one of those things I think is because we have a principle of generosity, first and foremost, we want to give not just to our people by way of profit sharing, that's a given, they're the ones doing the work, let's share the profit. Next is giving to things that they care about. So if an individual is going through a crisis or one of their family members, distant relatives, doesn't really matter, is going through a crisis, health crisis, whatever, we want to give into that. Um, if they, their family members are passionate about something in the community, maybe they're coaching or something like that. We want to give to support the things that they really care about, the things that they do outside of their normal work hours. What are those things? And we want to rally behind it. If You're doing an Ironman. We want to cheer you on. If you're doing, um, helping out, um, some organization, we did this the other day, I just say that I'm saying this tr- truly for the benefit of people hearing. Um, not from a, a bragging thing, but somebody, I just sort of posted something on social media, like I'm trying to raise money for cystic fibrosis. Um, and my goal is a thousand bucks. And I'm thinking, a thousand bucks? Like, that's not a lot. And because my answer was, that's not a lot, I'm like, well, if it's not a lot, let's, let's, make, let's hit that goal. Um, easy, you know, we'll hit that goal. I get this email from this person in our company, like, I've never, I never, like, never in my life, we've never hit our goal. We do this every year. Mm-hmm. my husband just came home and he cannot believe that we just hit our goal by the company i work for giving to him and we're just so blown away his and she likes she me she says uh, my husband's um sister passed away when she was 11 from cystic fibrosis um and we just made it our life goal to give to this and try and bring an end to it And i'm thinking their stretch goal was a thousand bucks and they never hit it and i'm like that is in my mind i'm like we can, work that, we, can give, we can do loads more. So I just wrote back to the person. I said, I said just, just your gratitude, we're doubling it right now. Still very little. <laughs> Still very little, right? But I'm thinking, and I was like, but we'll double it every year that you're here with us. If you're here with us in four years, we'll give 32 grand. Like, wow. But I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, we're going to give anyway. That's why we, we exist for generosity. I'm like, like, let's multiply our giving by wonderful people who are with us. I'm like, let, so they feel, and and she just wrote back because I just, this email now, it brought me to tears (laughs) and so did it bring my husband to tears. And and I'm thinking as a, from a business case, I'm like, guess who I want on our team? People like that who care, people like that who go above and beyond. And when they do go above and beyond, they know it's not because I want a Lamborghini. They they, go in above and beyond because they know the the wealth that we generate in this company is going to do something good that is important to them, not important to me.
2: Yeah. So
3: I think there's another part of a rhythm where, where people can feel they can express what's important to them in their personal world. And the company that they choose to work for cares enough about that, not just to write checks, but to rally around. them.
2: Yeah. I, you know, it's so many conversations. It's crazy how, uh, we, we're, we all look for a silver bullet, right? That's just our nature. We're wired that way. But so, you know, the Hail Mary pass, right? But you can't throw a Hail Mary unless you do the blocking and tackling at the line mm-hmm. of scrimmage. And so much of the things that you have said, it, it sounds like a hyper intentionality to do the blocking and tackling to the, Level that other people just aren't willing to pay attention to, and if you do that, you win. And I feel like that's a universe. The universe is shouting that
3: right now at all of us. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, it's. I mean, I just I joined one of our teams this morning, um and uh, every now and again, they one of the teams will invite me in and say, "Hey, can you come and just let people ask you questions and just be real and tell us where we're going as a company?" And I'm like, sure. But uh, I'm talking about growths and growth mindsets, but the whole reason is the story I just told you. How much more could we do this type of stuff if we're bigger? The reason we get bigger is we can do more. Like, yeah. Why not? Like, when I look at our competition, I'm like, I just assume they're stingy. <laughs> like, I'm like, I want to take the business away from the stingy ones so I can give it, I want to be entrusted with other people's uh, they, they pay us a business service because they know that we're, we're, yeah. we're not just in it for ourselves. Yeah. And I don't think anyone has a problem with business owners. And I hear a lot of business owners listen to podcasts. I don't think anyone has, actually has a problem with business owners making money. They don't have a problem with you having nice stuff. They're like, sure. You, you took all the risks and you started a business, but I also do care about what you do with all your money. Mm,
2: yeah,
3: yeah, that's fair. And, I, I just think it's a, a real principle. I'm mean, like, I'm not, I don't live in a poverty place. I don't live in a poverty mind. Have a poverty mindset. Like it is an abundance mindset. But growth equals growth opportunities for our team members, and growth equals opportunity for us to take wealth and make the world a better place around us. And I think that's something that is attractive for employees. And a fast rising generation is coming up, saying, "I want to be somewhere that's purposeful. That what I do on a day to day basis. I may be making widgets, but I know." each widget made an impact somehow. Right. Right. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. I love that. And the, you know, back to what you were saying, they don't care if they make a lot of money. It's just what they do with it because back to your early point, one of the options was paying me more and you didn't (laughs) do that. So don't go like be an ass about all this money, you know, like don't be stupid with it. So it does work in your favor to go say, Hey, not only is is it not going in my pocket, it's not going in yours, but it's not going in yours for a good pur- purpose and a good reason. Uh, it's going it's going out there, so super yeah. cool. Uh, Jeff, fun hanging out with you, Jonathan, as always. Uh, everyone listening, go hire Titus Talent because they're awesome, and because your money's going to good places. And pick up Jonathan's book uh, out now, finally. Right seats, right people. There it is. Yep, yeah, we're pointing to it. We don't use video though, Jeff. So oh oh. Use your oh, imagination. Maybe we'll cut a clip just for that. That was a fun little finger yeah. there.
3: For all the <laughs> listeners, Jeff sitting without a shirt on. <laughs>
2: uh, you guys, leave us with one parting shot uh, for everyone out there that's building an organization, uh, maybe struggling to build a place that's absolutely amazing that other people are attracted to. What's one piece of wisdom you would leave us with today?
0: Um, I think Jonathan... Said it, so I'll steal it. Um, that that people choose your organization to work at, uh, and that's um, that's a humbling mindset yeah. uh, when when you know that they're choosing to be with you. So you need you need to understand and um, do right by them. Good call, Jonathan.
3: Wow, I mean that is that that right there. What Jeff just said. Every time I get off a plane, they say something like "Thank you for choosing us." We know you have options. Like to think that our employees are just like that. They are a customer as well because they have options. I yes. think uh, it's radical right there. Um, yeah, find out what's important to your people because they chose you. Why do they choose you? And capitalize on that. Make a big deal about that. They chose you for a reason, but I want to know what that is. I chose you because you're a growing organization. Great. I'm going to make sure you grow that. Like we have to grow, otherwise, I lose you. You know, yeah. I chose you because you give back. Great. What do you want me to give back to? Yeah. So finding out what's in the hearts of your people and really capitalize on that. That sounds like manipulative. No, be strategic about it and it will grow your business. Grow your people, grow your business. Yeah. Even if even
2: if you caring is somewhat manipulative, I think start there and you might find out you actually care. Great right. Line. It's contagious. Like you can't, you can't. That's a good point. Yeah. Anyway.
3: Yeah. Good one. I'll come back.
2: (laughs) Guys, thank you for your time. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for giving to uh, System in Soulville.
3: Awesome. Good. Cheers.
2: Yeah. Hey, leader, did you know there's 261 business days in a year. And statistically, most business leaders are balancing about that many opportunities, issues, problems, bouncing around in their head at one time. So we created the261.com. Go there, put your email in, and we're going to organize all those things and send you one daily email that's about this long. It's going to take you about five seconds to read, but it's going to remind you of that thing that you need to remember, that thing you need to do or schedule as a leader to be who you want to be. Go check it out, sign up, follow along. See you there.